When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. Today, I want to talk about sewing a gift for someone, especially if that person has a lot of opinions about the quilt they want. I know so many quilters who have had frustrating stories of agreeing to make a quilt for a person and having it kind of snowball into this big process that's not very fun anymore. And I think some of the problem starts because non-quilters don't always have the understanding of colors, contrast, uh, fabric needs, size, or even complexity and time that are necessary to make a quilt. So it kind of becomes a clash of what's possible with the resources and time you have, what will look best in terms of fabric, color, and pattern choices, and what the recipient wants. So I want to chat through some solutions on how to work with a picky quilt recipient to make sure you both love the final quilt, and also how to approach gifting in the future to make it easier. One of the biggest things you may encounter when you're making a quilt for someone is their opinion on colors. If you're making a quilt for a baby, uh, the parents may want it to match specific nursery colors. Wedding quilts may need to match a wedding's colors or at the home of the newlyweds. Seasonal and holiday quilts may need to blend in with the person's existing decor, such as, you know, maybe traditional Christmas colors versus bright and sparkly colors. Color is one of the first things people notice about a quilt, so it makes sense that matching colors to a specific room or decor is important. There's a few ways you can work with specific color needs. Um, So one is you can look at a baby or a wedding registry. So many times you'll see the color of the bedding, towels, or decor people are asking for on their gift registry, and you can use that to help match colors to the quilt. This is especially great if you're making a quilt as a surprise and you don't want to ask them directly for the color scheme. You can also have a recipient send you photos of the room the quilt will be displayed in. You know, make sure the photos include any prominent decor, bedding, furniture, or artwork. And that way you can choose colors that look nice within the space without adding one that may clash. If the recipient has very specific color needs, suggest they go with you to the paint store to pick out paint chip samples or go with you to the quilt store to look at fabric. So the paint store trick is great if the recipient lives far away because they could tell you the paint chip colors they love and you can find the same ones at your own local store. But I also find that the paint chip trick works great for people who may get overwhelmed by prints and patterns on fabric. Not everyone can separate a fabric's color 
from maybe the other other color or designs on the print. And that can be distracting for some people. So paint chips only include the color so they can focus on picking out their favorites. Then you can take those paint chips to the quilt store and find fabrics that match the colors, uh, but also ones that have great scale and contrast for the quilt you're making. If your recipient does have some understanding of fabric, or you want to see how they react to certain prints, you know, maybe like floral, stripes, polka dots, even novelty prints, um, taking them to the store uh, will help you gain a feeling and an understanding of what they're attracted to, which can be helpful. Next, let's talk about picking a pattern. There are a few different ways you can approach choosing a pattern for another person. First, it's always best to clarify the use of the quilt so you both know what size to look for. You know, is it for a bed? Is it a throw? Is it a wall quilt? So just getting that detail na nailed down will help make picking a pattern easier. So one of my favorite things to do is have the person make a Pinterest board of some of their favorite patterns. Think maybe 10 to 15 different patterns. They can even write notes in the captions about what they love about it. Is, you know, is it the aesthetic, like modern versus traditional? Is it the block pattern? Is it the fabrics, colors, or maybe even like the space that allows for bold prints or fussy cutting? Did they choose a lot of quilts that had star blocks? Um, did they choose a lot of quilts that used solid colors? Did they choose quilts that all had wide borders? You know, in this process, maybe there's a clear winner on the pattern. One that they love, you would love to make, and one that fits the colors and the size they want. Maybe you have to kind of mix and match patterns a little to kind of conform to your needs. Or maybe you might even need to take what you learned from this Pinterest board and seek out a new quilt pattern that works. If they're not on Pinterest or don't have a clue where to even start looking for patterns, you could send them some pattern ideas and get their feedback. Tell them not to focus on the colors of the quilt, only the design, as they'll be making it in the colors they love. Before deciding on a final pattern, make sure you have the time and resources to make it. You know, if they're in love with the pattern, but in order to make the quilt, uh, maybe you'd have to buy a bunch of new tools such as templates or fusibles, or maybe you would even need to learn how to do a new technique such as foundation paper piecing or applique. Uh, this is not the right quilt then. If they want the quilt in time for even, you know, an event that's coming very soon and you have a limited time to make it, make sure the pattern is easy enough to get it done quickly. Please never sacrifice your sanity to please the recipient. Something else to think about in this process is the cost associated with making a gift. Now, there are a lot of thoughts on what or even if a recipient should pay for a gift, uh, especially if you're the one offering to make it in the first place. And you should do whatever feels best for you, uh, but it's always best to set those expectations for a budget right away if you do choose to have the recipient cover some of the cost. Uh, here's an example from my own life. So I will only make quilts for others if I can use my stash of fabrics. So I will send pictures of fabrics to the recipient or even have them come to my house to help, you know, shop my stash of fabrics. But I will never buy all new fabrics. 
Um, the only time I usually buy something is if I need more background fabric or there's, you know, certain backing I know I want. And that's just something I tell people up front. Uh, and then I cover the cost of batting thread, you know, the background or backing fabric if it's needed. And I do the machine quilting myself so I don't have a long arm cost. Uh, and even covering those basics for a quilt can, those costs can add up. So that's, that is a really nice gift to give someone. I have made a few quilts over the years where the recipient had a specific fabric request or like a thread color request for the quilting. Uh, in that case, I tell them how much yardage to buy in case they would prefer to buy the fabric themselves. Uh, maybe they have a coupon, you know, a specific place they like to shop. Um, or I'll tell them an estimated cost of the fabric and thread and see if they still want to move forward with that choice. Uh, most times the recipient fully understands and offers to cover that extra cost. And while I've never made a quilt as a gift that I've sent to a long arm quilter, that cost can add up very quickly. So if you don't want to pay for that service, make sure you tell them there will be an extra cost for that um, or that you can give them just the quilt top and you can suggest a long arm quilter in their area to finish the quilt for them. So you can handle costs however you're most comfortable, uh, but set expectations up front so everyone is on the same page. And now let's chat about a few ideas for gifting in the future to make things easier. We had one podcast listener write to me with this idea sometime last year, and I thought it was so clever. Uh, this person was frustrated with, you know, how demanding some people could be when you offer to make a quilty gift. So she decided she would just make whatever pattern she likes and whatever fabric she likes. And she has a stack of these quilts just for gifts. Then when there's a special occasion and she wants to give a quilt as a gift, she lets the recipient choose from the pile. And that way they feel like they still have a choice in their gift, but it's no extra work or stress for the maker of the quilts. Another technique I've used is if I'm making a quilt just for fun, but don't necessarily feel like I need to keep it. Um, this does happen a lot when I join a quilt along uh, because I love the process of being involved in a quilt along and, you know, making something with a schedule and, you know, have that sewing time in every week or month or whatever the quilt along is. Uh, but sometimes I don't feel so strongly about the quilt that I need to keep it. But if this is the case, I'll kind of put out a call to family and friends saying I'm making this specific pattern. And if they love it, let me know. Uh, and I may even tell them they can pick some specific colors if they, you know, have an idea. But that way I still get the joy of making the quilt and can gift it to someone who loves it. And one last idea. You can set some precedent for what gifts you give. So for example, I know someone who makes a quilt for each of her friends when they retire. That way, everyone knows when they're getting one and she doesn't feel obligated to make a gift for any other occasion. You could make everyone in your family a Christmas quilt, uh, maybe making one each year uh, to gift. So there's some excitement and anticipation from family members about their gift. And, and then because everyone has a similar one, it adds some meaning to the present because everyone's tied together by these quilts. And that means that even if the recipient isn't completely in love with the fabrics or the pattern, they'll still cherish that quilt. 
Now, if any of our listeners have other ideas on this topic or even struggles they want to share, uh, send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. I'd love to share more ideas for gifting on future episodes. Now we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're answering a listener question on building a stash and sharing some last minute sewing gifts we love. Welcome back. Now it's time for Ask Us Anything, a segment where we answer a listener's most pressing quilting question. And this one comes from Bessie. She says, I'm a self-taught newbie. How do other makers build their stash of solids when first starting foundation paper piecing? I've seen beautiful FPP'd quilts that use multiple shades of colors. I want to start building a stash of solids, but can't afford to splurge on yardage for dozens of colors. Do you have any tips for a newbie on a budget? Great question, Bessie. I think many new quilters have this exact same question. I think yours is maybe even a trickier situation since you are potentially looking for exact shades and colors of fabric instead of being able to like make do with fabric that may be on sale or that could be donated from friends. So I'm going to share just some general solutions for accumulating fabric on a budget, and I hope a few of these ideas help. So you can ask quilting friends, a quilt guild, or relatives who sew if they have any fabric to gift you. Now, many quilters have more fabric than they will use and will be happy to ship them off to a new home. You could also try posting in a quilting-related social media group about what you need and see if any strangers are willing to share. You can take a trip to a local thrift store. Now, there you may find quilting cotton fabric. A lot of people donate fabrics um, there. Uh, But you could even maybe find some 100% cotton clothing or bedding in the colors that you desire that you can repurpose. Some garage sales or estate sales could even have fabric. Now, you can check for sales at a local quilt store. Uh, Many quilt stores have a clearance section. They could have end-of-bolt deals or sales or even discounts throughout the year if you sign up for their newsletter. Also, big box fabric stores, you know, such as Joanne Fabrics, constantly have coupons and sales, so you can start to buy as you have the money. Also, places like Missouri Star Quilt Company and Fat Quarter Shop have great deals on fabric online, too. Uh, They usually have like daily or weekly deals sections, so you can kind of see if anything under there fits what you need. And lastly, you could, of course, ask for a gift card to a fabric store for your birthday or the holidays. You know, even $15 or $20 can buy a few yards of fabric total, which is a great place to start. And I promise a stash grows quickly the more quilts you make. So you'll have less strain on your wallet after you make a few and you can use the leftover fabric from the previous projects. I hope this helps, Bessie. Uh, The upfront cost of starting to sew is very steep. Uh, You know, especially if you're trying to buy a machine, fabric, an iron, all the cutting tools. Um, But we promise the cost is worth it just for the joy that quilting brings. So just take it one purchase at a time and you will get there. 
Now it's time for products we love, a segment where we share tools our staff is loving right now. And today we are all about gifts, cute gifts that you can buy other quilters in your life or put on your own wish list. Now, I have 10 products to share today. I just could not narrow the list down um, because these are all great products and I wanted to give everyone enough time to shop if needed. So the first is a jewelry set from artist Jessica Waterman. The set comes with a necklace and matching earrings that have a quilty look to them. There are multiple designs available and some look like more traditional quilt blocks um, and others just have more of a quilty touch, but they're all so beautiful. Next is a quilt block candle. So the company Soap Escape has made the most adorable three-inch square beeswax and soy candles. There are a few different quilt block designs available. There's a lot of colors, a lot of different scents. Uh, I bought one for myself and it's almost, it's truly too pretty to burn, I think. So it might just be a cute display in my home for now until I, you know, I work up the nerve to light it. Now, I'm always on the lookout for a good hand cream. Uh, My hands, especially in winter, get dry and cracked, and it seems like the more I sew, the drier they become. So there is a hand cream uh, from Created by Seams, and it's made especially to help amend, moisturize, and soothe the hands of sewers. It absorbs instantly, and it doesn't leave a greasy residue, so it's a great addition to your sewing space. Sometimes you just need something because it's cute. So if you're in the mood to replace some basic sewing supplies with those showcasing Liberty of London fabrics, these are for you. There's a measuring tape that features a decorative fabric case. There's a small scissors that come in a protective fabric sheath. And there's a small zippered kit that contains notions for sewing on the go. And they come in a variety of different Liberty of London prints, and they're just so fun. So I talked a little bit last week about how labeling a quilt becomes so much easier once you find the right tools. And this tool definitely makes it easy. The Print Mint sells a self-inking stamp that you can customize with your name. So the ink is black, it's permanent and non-toxic. So you simply just have to stamp it on a piece of fabric you want to sew into a label, um, or you can stamp it onto the backing of your quilt. There are two sizes of stamps available, and I just think this product is genius. Uh, The one we ordered says sewn by, and then you can put your name here with love. So it's very cute. Now, I love a good tumbler for my drinks, and there's one out there that says, Dear Santa, please send fabric. Isn't that funny? <laughs> it can hold both hot and cold beverages, and it's made with insulated stainless steel, and the lid shuts tight so you don't have to worry about spills while you're sewing. Enamel pins are still so popular, and I love the sewing theme ones that Justine Jabuena makes. They're so elegant and they would be perfect for sticking on, you know, a bag, a pin board, or even on your clothing. There's a variety of designs, but I personally love the tomato pin cushion, the sewing machine, and the scissors. So every quilter could use a good zipper pouch. 
And I love the one from Corinne Sovi that says a fabric museum curator. It's a little cheeky. <laughs> so it measures about 12 by 8 inches. So it's a really nice size for carrying small projects on the go or using it to carry some of your most used tools to a retreat. So uh, last month, I turned my sewing space into a puzzle room. I just needed a kind of a break from some of my projects at the end of the year. And I do find great joy in doing jigsaw puzzles when the weather is cold and snowy. And I found this puzzle based on designer Lori Holt's popular prim quilt, uh, which has both pieced blocks and applique blocks. It's a thousand piece puzzle, and I really can't wait to start it. And lastly, you can beat cooler temps with an unlined hoodie made from French terry fabric. This hoodie features a quilt block design from Fancy That Design House. It has a front pocket, it has a hood, and it's available in two colors. So because it's online, it's very lightweight, so you can still wear a jacket over it. It'd be perfect for just wearing around the house. And it's so soft because it's made from that French terry fabric. So we'll link to all these products in the show notes so that you can check them out more if you're interested. Now we're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're talking about washing your quilts. Welcome back. Now it's time for Lindsay's Musings, a segment where I pull my Instagram followers on a hot button quilting topic and share my thoughts. So for this poll, I explored washing quilts. So this topic was inspired by our listener, Christine, who wrote me an email specifically wondering if she should wash a quilt before she gifted it. And I think many quilters have questions about the best way to wash a quilt. So we've explored this topic a few times on the podcast, uh, most recently in episode 554, but this poll was fascinating because it got to the heart of how people really clean their quilts. You know, not just the info on like the best textbook version of how to wash a quilt, which sometimes seems like it's all hand wash and air dry, which I do find unrealistic with the time and resources we have today. So let's dive into the results. 109 people voted in this poll. So first I asked if people washed quilts before gifting them. 65% said they do and 35% said they don't. Now this one actually surprised me. Um, I've always washed a quilt before gifting it because I want the quilt to be free from cat hair. Um, you know, sometimes I use a lot of starch on quilts, so I want the starch to come out. I also want to check that the dye doesn't bleed and if it does, how much so I can kind of tell the recipient what to expect from future washing. And I want the quilt to shrink slightly so that when the recipient washes it, they don't think they shrunk or ruined it in some way. And quite a few of my Instagram followers did feel the same way. So Erica said, I always wash first because that first wash changes how the quilt looks. And I don't want them to fall in love with an unwashed quilt and then feel like it's ruined. Tracy said, I washed a quilt before gifting it and tragedy struck. The wool batting was defective and all the wool fibers came through to the outside of the quilt. The manufacturer said they had a defective run and offered to take my quilts apart for me so I could quilt it again with new batting. I still need to restitch it, but I have to add backing and binding scraps in order to proceed. 
If there are any surprises, I want to know before gifting a quilt. And kind of on the other side, Amy said, I don't wash a quilt before gifting, but I gift a color catcher and instructions with the quilt. Now that is a great idea, especially if you don't plan to wash the quilt before gifting. Uh, I usually wash it first and also gift the quilt with cleaning instructions and a few color catchers, uh, especially if the dye seems like it might run in the next wash. Uh, Not everyone may know to wash it on cold or separate it from clothing if needed, so giving some basic instructions can be helpful to the recipient. Next, I asked how people most often wash their quilts, by machine or by hand. 97% said they machine wash and 3% said they hand wash. Uh, And all I have to say about this is that the 3% of people washing by hand, oh my gosh, you're truly amazing. How? (laughs) You know, I I just have no words. (laughs) Next, I asked how people most often dry their quilts by machine or by hand. This one had a larger gap than the washing statistics. So 76% of people dry their quilts by machine, while 24% said they air dry. Now, I'm a machine dryer usually, although I do air dry occasionally. Um, I, I personally just love the crinkle look in my quilts that come from, you know, the quilt slightly shrinking when machine dried. But there are so many cases for why you wouldn't want to expose your quilt to that kind of heat. You know, maybe you don't want the quilt to shrink because it has to fit a specific space. Uh, Maybe it has embellishments on it, such as buttons or beads. It could have delicate applique or embroidery. Um, Or maybe you're even doing it because you're saving energy and you just prefer to dry larger bedding and quilts on the line on a nice day. So next, I asked if people add color catchers to their wash cycles. Now, 69% said they always add them, 10% said they never do, and 21% of people say they only add them if they think the dye will run. Uh, My feelings pretty much fall in line with everyone else on this. Um, I'll always wash a quilt the first time with a few color catchers. If the dye runs, I'll wash it the next time with color catchers and so on until I notice that there's no more dye running. Sometimes it only takes a few washes. Sometimes it seems like they never stop running. And lastly, I asked people how often they wash a quilt. 2% said they wash quilts monthly. 21% said they wash it seasonally. And 77% said they only wash it if needed. So I'm really hoping that these poll results are a reflection of me not specifying the type of quilt, because if you are regularly using a bed quilt or a throw quilt on a couch and you're only washing it as needed, um, that kind of grosses me out. Um, I wash all my bed quilts and throws seasonally, if not more often as needed. Um, But I would agree that the quilts I have on my ladders, my walls, my tables, only get washed as needed. Um, Usually I just freshen them with a shake outside to get rid of any dust or loose dirt every few months, but I I don't generally wash those quilts unless needed. So no matter how you choose to wash and dry your quilts, I hope this episode gave you something to think about. It was kind of like peering into everyone's laundry room. There is really not a one-size-fits-all washing technique for every quilt and every lifestyle, so you really got to make it work for you. Um, And you know, hey, laundry isn't usually fun, so if you have to do it, do it the way you want. 
I'd love to get more people participating in these polls. So if you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can search for me. I'm Linz Mayland so that we can connect more. And that's it for today's show. Now, before we leave, I wanted to share a review of the podcast. This one comes from Ellie. She says, I compare this podcast to a book group. Even though we are not in the same room as with book groups that I have previously belonged, I feel like I'm in Lindsay's living room and she is the moderator of the book we're discussing. The staff recommendations, comments, together with the listeners' comments are similar to book group members discussing their chosen book. Thank you, Team Lindsay, for all your dedication and support of sewing and quilting. You are all truly an inspiration. Oh, Ellie, this is such a sweet review. Um, I wish we could all meet in person in my living room. I would definitely love to drink wine and eat cheese and chat quilting with everyone. Although I am not sure what my husband would think about that. <laughs> if this review is yours, please send me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com. That's listed in the show notes so that I can send you a little gift. And remember, it's still my goal by the end of the season to have 400 reviews. We're only 10 away. We're so close. So if you haven't, please find us on the Apple Podcast app by searching for American Patchwork and Quilting. Once you click on the show, you can scroll down to find the ratings and reviews section. I only need 10 more people to click a star rating to hit that 400 mark. It truly would mean the most and it would help more quilters find us. Everyone have the best week.